Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. What up? Josh. Yes. It's your little brother. What up, dude? What song do you think was at the top of the hot country chart this week in 1990? And I will just give you one hint. Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. That is exactly right. I'm impressed, man. I'm impressed that with no hints, you just pulled that out. Well, I pretty much marked time by music. So I can tell you that that was my freshman year. Yeah. Just like I can tell you at the end of my freshman year was I like Big Butts by Sir Mix-a-Lot. I don't think that's actually the name of the song. Well, you know. His baby got back. But what is it about Friends in Low Places that you remember? Man, Garth just kind of burst on the scene and he was everywhere. And the tragic part of that was the fashion, the brush popper shirt that was so popular. The what? Brush popper shirts. They were like this thick canvassy material and they had the craziest, brightest rainbow colors on them. Yeah, I mean, I remember his days. shirts, but I didn't know there was a name for them. Yeah, Brush Poppers. So Garth Brooks, number one song on the Hot Country chart, great Friends album. in Low Places. It is a great album. Yes. I just thought you'd want to know that, but apparently you already did. So I'm going to start the episode. Excellent. Have a good show. All right, man. We'll see you. All right, later. From No You Media Group, this is 35. A weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Bronner. This is Season 2, Episode 39, Teenage Drama and a Black Belt in Macho Art. Today we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, October 6, 1990. Hello again, friends and neighbors, and welcome back to another episode of 30 Pop, looking back on the inaugural year of one of the greatest decades in pop culture history, or so I believe. I cannot believe it is October, and the year 1990 is now fully three quarters of the way behind us on this show. What a year it's been. And what a year it will continue to be as we move into these last few months of truly incredible 1990 pop culture offerings. Let's start our review today in Hollywood. 30 years ago this week, the number one film at the box office, its opening weekend, undeservingly if you ask me, was martial arts macho man and all-around weirdo Steven Seagal's Marked for Death. Not to be confused with Jean-Claude Van Damme's equally laughable Death Warrant, which had released less than a month prior. Jamaican gangs known as posses are now dominating the American drug trade. In Above the Law, he got tough. Who's that? John Hatcher, DEA. In Hard to Kill, he got even. It's not the time for you to walk out of me. I've had enough. He thinks she's retired. He still looks functional to me. Now, the man with the short fuse is marked for death. I want you to meet my sister, goddess of fire. Steven Seagal is John Hatcher. He's dead. And he don't even know it. A good cop. Your family has been marked. In a bad mood. Said he goes I don't think he's gonna get the chance. What are you planning to do? I'm gonna take out the posse. 
thought he was invincible. The other thought he could fly. They were both wrong. Who do you fear? Him. For me. I'm gonna deliver you into the light. Steven Seagal is marked for death. It's my silent partner. But this time, he's bringing out the big guns. Steven Seagal, marked for death. Are you some kind of cop? Nah, I'm just a concerned citizen. Now, I love to make fun of these 80s and 90s over-the-top action movies, but I'd be lying if I pretended I didn't love them back then. And while it's not a genre I care much for today as an older, much more refined connoisseur of the medium, I do still love these ridiculous tough guy flicks from my childhood for the pure nostalgia they offer. Admittedly, though, with the exception of Under Siege, I was never really a Seagal fan. In a time when I believed you had to like either Van Damme or Seagal, I'd pick Jean-Claude every day of the week. He was shredded, he had an accent, he could do the splits, and usually opted to fight with his fists and feet rather than picking up a gun, unlike the trigger-happy Seagal. Ironic, considering Seagal was a highly decorated lifelong martial artist and instructor. Jean-Claude was no slouch by any means, contrary to rumors that he was never a martial artist. He actually has a pretty impressive kickboxing record. But he was no master of the craft like Seagal. I'm also just not a gun guy, so again, Seagal just didn't really do it for me. The only other major release in theaters this week in 1990 was Disney's 50th anniversary fully remastered release of the animated wonder that is Fantasia. Believe it or not, I've actually never seen this now 80-year-old classic, but I can still say without a doubt in my mind, even after multiple theatrical and home video releases over the decades, it probably should have beat out Marked for Death at the box office. In music, we saw lots of new chart toppers this week in 1990, although obviously not with regard to the top album in the country, so I'll just take a break from even mentioning it this week. The top song on the hot R&B and hip-hop chart this week for the first of three weeks was Giving You the Benefit by pop singer-songwriter Pebbles. I don't have any memory of this song specifically, but I definitely remember this sound, and I loved it. I also remember hearing Pebble's name in another song of hers, Mercedes Boy, but I didn't really know anything about her until prepping for this episode. Turns out we have her to thank, at least in part, for some of the most 90s of 90s music. Pebbles was married to record producer Antonio L.A. Reed at the time, who, along with Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, formed Atlanta-based LaFace Records, which Pebbles, whose real name is Perry Reed, helped to build. LaFace Records is responsible for bringing the world acts like Outkast, Usher, Pink, Tony Braxton, Tony Rich, T.I., and thanks to Pebbles, who managed and helped develop them, hip-hop trio TLC. That's right, friends. But for Perry Pebbles Reed, we'd all still be chasing waterfalls and dating scrubs. New to the top of the hot rap chart this week was the first radio single from LL Cool J's recently released Mama Said Knock You Out, The Boomin' System, which was accompanied by one of the most cheaply made-looking music videos I've ever seen. But not like in a hip, 
indie make something from nothing kind of way. More of a spend lots of money but then hire bad actors and shoot it all on a camcorder kind of way. I hopped on a call this week to chat with my dear friend and regular guest Aaron Hale to talk about it in a segment we call Truly Horrible Things. Aaron, welcome back to 30 Pop. Always a joy to have you on. So great to be back, Luke. You know, I especially love having you for this segment, Truly Horrible Things. This segment is brought to us by the company, Truly Horrible Things, who makes these really fun, funny card games, usually somewhere around music or fine arts, especially for like high school kids. It's really, really fun, sort of like Cards Against Humanity, but for band or choir or theater or whatever. So I love them, love this segment where we get to look back at things that have not held up well over the last 30 years, but we still kind of like them anyway. In most cases, I don't know so much in this case. So we're talking today about LL Cool J, the first single from his album, Mama Said Knock You Out, which was inexplicably not the song Mama Said Knock You Out, but rather strangely, yeah, the booming system. You watched this music video today? I did, Luke. I watched it. Were you aroused at any point? I, not, not at all. I, well, let me think about this, because like, no, I was not. But, <laughs> but I will say, at the time in 1990, if you had asked, you know, eight-year-old me, who I think was the coolest person alive, I would have said LL Cool J. Understandably, sure. I mean, I think this video would have reinforced that 30 years ago. So the whole thing is, like yeah, oh yeah. In this dystopian future, it's just a total ripoff of Mad Max, wherein oh, yeah. LL is the hero in his ridiculous hats. But it's, a, it's an arcade game, right? It's, a, <laughs> it's also an arcade With, game. Yeah. With porn, like the, oh, yeah. the romance like scenes. A, a bad porno. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. I would love to hear what. Well, had you seen this video before today? I have never, I had never seen it before, but. Like you said, it's like Mad Max meets bad porno, but it's utterly confusing. I have no idea what is happening yeah, I at, mean, at any given moment. And they have these like breaks with like dialogue where it's so bizarre and it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. None at all. I mean, so the whole thing takes place. It starts off in this like arcade that's located inside of a cave and everyone's in line to play this yeah. game that is called the Boomin' System. You step in and I guess you're just carried away. And so the girl that's playing the game in the video is very inappropriately dressed, I think, for an arcade. But, you know, to to each their own. And so, yeah, yeah, so it's it's about the evil Sultra who wants LL's booming system. And so you're in this like... Mad Max style cop car. I don't even know. I don't even know. Oh, it's like it's like an eighties like Trans Am cop car. Yes. Strange. Why is he driving a cop car? I don't fully understand. I don't either. Uh, but then when he does, he, he gets captured. Is that what happens? He gets, he gets captured. He by gets shot. <laughs> like we watch him get oh, shot. Does. Yeah, he gets shot, but he gets tied up by this sultress. You were just saying the evil sultra. Yeah. And she points to her breasts and she says, you can have anything in this room. (laughs) Classic move. Classic soldier. And he looks around and he sees this girl and he goes, I'll take her. And then she comes over. He says, cut my, because he's tied up, cut my bindings. Do it slowly. 
And then she does, and then they lather each other up in some sort of yeah, yeah, oil or something, oil, peanut butter. And, I couldn't tell what it was, and rub all over each other for a little bit, which is pretty sexy. <laughs> <laughs> if you're like watching a Cinemax movie in 1990, yeah, that's what the whole video kind of reminds me of. Yes, well, so here's what's funny about it. So you can tell what happened with this video is like LL. He's had some success throughout the 80s. You know, he's kind of been. In lots of different rap beefs with especially Cool Modi, which I love their whole back and forth. Mm-hmm. But So I yeah. think that Mama Said Knock You Out was intended to sort of end the Cool Modi beef. I think this was his like, you know, death blow to Cool Modi. And so he's got some money behind him, like label money yeah. behind him. And you can tell with this video, he blew his entire budget on vamping up these cars to make them look like Mad Max cars. And creating a video game like, in which giant tank guns sticking out of the yes, and like yeah. massive exhaust pipes, and like you can tell that. I mean, it's just like a dystopian oh, yeah. demolition derby future that they've created, and you can yeah. tell they blew the whole budget on that. And so there was no money to pay for actual actors or something besides a camcorder. This was clearly shot yeah. on a camcorder. Oh, yeah. It's terrible, and the the effects are like what you could do when you were ten years old mm-hmm. on your windows 95 computer or whatever it's like what kind of video are you as the girl the girl's playing the video is she is she ll cool j no she's the passenger she is the passenger in the game passenger right right but there's elements of the video game that are literally ll cool j taking a gas tank to the gas station this is part of the game. She's captured, I think. During the, like She's her captured, part of the game is to be and captured he, and to be saved by LL while he by, licks his yeah. lips. What kind of a video game do you play? The person who gets captured and then has to get saved. <laughs> it's just That'd a game like of if waiting. You were playing Mario Brothers and you were Peach, but right? nothing, but nothing changes. Like you're not Peach saving Mario. You're just Peach no. sitting there. You're just waiting, Peach standing there behind King Koopa, which is like waiting for. Or Bowser, or whatever. whatever. While Bowser? Mario's like making love with the villain. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. Oh, it's, it's a so bad, bad video. It's, honestly, I it's would not say it's truly horrible. It's really not. Like, how? I mean, Mama Said Knock You Out was fantastic. So, how was that not yeah. the lead single? It's I the song I that mean, I think of a, when I think of LL Cool J. Oh, for sure. There's not a catchy element to this song, I feel like. I don't remember the song at all. Me neither. And the next single after Mama Said Knock You Out was Around the Way Girl, another kill. Like, yeah, just let yeah. those be your singles. Killer. I mean, I say that. Yeah. It was the top who, of the rap chart. But this song was top of the rap chart? Yeah, that's why we're talking about it. It was, it was wow. for like a couple of weeks, realize. the number one song on the rap chart. Wow. Okay, well, maybe I need to listen to it again without the video playing. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I looked to see how much longer was left on the video. <laughs> Well, I think we're done now with the interview, so you never have to think about it again at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably will never watch it again. Your time here is done. Thank you for taking the time to watch the video and then to chat about it and all of, of course. its Thanks for having horrificness. Me. So, Aaron, you're always welcome yeah. on the show. I know you're getting ready to move to a different yeah. state, but I hope that we can yes. you know, keep having you on all the time. Well, we definitely do. And you're welcome to come stay with me and record as many episodes as you want with me. I intend to do that. That would be really, really fun. Okay. So thanks so Good much, Aaron. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. See ya. Bye. So bad. You should really watch it. As always, it's linked in the show notes for your convenience.
The new number one song in the country overall this week in 1990 was Close to You by British-born Jamaican reggae-slash-R&B fusion artist Maxi Priest. I'd have never recalled this song by name only, but I do recognize it when I hear it. One fun fact, Maxi Priest was actually cousins with late reggae legend Jacob Miller, former lead singer of the band Inner Circle, who's most famous in the U.S. for bringing us the theme song to the TV series Cops and the eponymous Will Smith-Martin Lawrence film franchise Bad Boys, although, admittedly, Miller wasn't the vocalist by the time that song was released. He had died, tragically, several years earlier at the age of 27 in a car crash with his son while he and Inner Circle were preparing for an American tour with Bob Marley and the Wailers. Sad stuff, and almost entirely unrelated to this week in 1990. Anyway, lastly, we got a brand new decade-defining TV series 30 years ago this past week, maybe the greatest teen drama there ever was, from easily what is now the most recognizable zip code on the planet. Beverly Hills 90210, starring Jason Priestley, Shannon Doherty, Tori Spelling, Jenny Garth, Ian Ziering, Brian Austin Green, Gabrielle Carteris, and of course, the late, great Luke Perry. In celebration of this cultural masterwork, I hopped on a quick call with one of its biggest fans, my friend, regular 30 Pop guest, and Fun Parks co-host, Latifa Alatas, to reminisce. What's amazing is that is the music that led into this segment. That's what I used as the segment music. Well, now you have the acapella early morning low voice Latifah singing it. I might just replace it. I might replace it with with you doing it instead. I need you to know that Aaron was also on this episode, but I intentionally kept what? you two apart because I just Why? can't, because I just blend into the wallpaper <laughs> if I'm on with both of you at the same time. So he was here to talk LL Cool J. You are here to talk Beverly Hills 90210, which turned 30 years old this past week. Man, both those topics are so good. <laughs> okay. So tell me, I happen to know that you have a special place in your heart for this show. Do I ever? So... 90210 is where I first learned, I think, about a couple, a young couple being in love and deciding to have sex for the first time. (laughs) So season one, Brenda and Brandon move from Minnesota all the way to Beverly Hills, 90210. Which is a long long way. (laughs) It is a long way. But you know what? It's not too long to find your first love, which is what Brenda did when she met Dylan McKay, who came in on a streaming motorcycle and won her over, and they were cosmically meant to be. And so, like most cosmically meant to be couples, they cut school one day, they get home, her parents aren't there, it's getting hot and heavy, and she decides she's ready to give Dylan her virginity. Well, Wyatt's steaming up on the sofa, all their clothes are on, and I'm watching this, and my real life mom walked in on me watching them, you know, basically mugging down. How old are you at this point? Oh gosh, I must have been in junior high, is my guess. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, season one. Uh, I mean, so season one was nineteen ninety. 
So you may have been significantly younger than junior high. That's probably also true. It was probably even more inappropriate. (laughs) But that's all right. You You were into it. Yeah. Well, I guess if it was 30 years ago, I was almost nine. So I was like in third grade. (laughs) (laughs) But my mom walks in and just immediately freaks out and forbids me from watching the show, which only enticed my appetite to watch it more. (laughs) And, you know, I continue to loyally but secretly follow the saga, not only of Brenda and Dylan, but what about Andrea? She loves Brandon. He doesn't love her back. It's unrequited. It's painful. She's so smart. She's definitely his equal emotionally, but he doesn't seem to be interested in her. And I really related to that character. (laughs) Okay, so tell me this. What's the deal with Brandon? He doesn't really have much personality, if you ask me. He's not Dylan. He's not even whatever the other guy's name is. Steve. Steve, yeah. Steve. Yeah. Steve's, you know, kind of a clown. What's the deal with Brandon? I got to be honest. He never did it for me. He was like a little too square. Dylan did. And then when Brian Austin Green got older, like into the episodes, like the college years, I didn't really like the whole like white guy hip hop thing. It wasn't very convincing, but he was very cute. I mean, that was his life. You know, he released like a rap album. In real life? In real life, yeah. He was an actual artist. He was rapper R&B. I don't remember, but he was, yeah, he was actually trying to kind of go that route. And he may still be doing that for all I know. I have no idea. Is he idea. really? Wow. I don't know. Wow, wow, I just wow, made, wow, that wow, 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 wow. made that up right there on Yo, the spot. Yeah. It's definitely true. I also thought it was really weird when Tiffany Amber Thiessen, who was Kelly from Say by the Bell, yeah. came on the show with Valerie. The show got weird after that, but I still watched it. Yeah. I mean, she, she came on to be the bad girl and totally kind That's of right. buck the image that she had as the innocent, you know, girl next door, Kelly Kapowski. Wasn't she Brandon's cousin? You know, you watch this show a lot more than I did. So Yeah, I think she was Brandon's cousin. It was yeah, it was not convincing. Brandon was never that cute to me. What was Tori Spelling's name? Donna. Donna, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And she dated Brian Austin Green's character. Yes. Whose yes. name I also don't yes. know. And they, you know, Donna held out on her virginity, speaking of virginal topics. Like she <laughs> held out on her virginity until like the end of the college years. Wow. You know? Wow. Like yeah, and it was like this whole episode, and they do the whole cliche, like he covers the bed in roses and stuff. <laughs> You're just like, really? Is that is that, that cliche? That, no, it's very okay. cool. Actually, I will say that I have recently fallen back in love with the flower of the rose. So okay. <laughs> I feel like The Bachelor really ruined it for me, but I've learned more about the rose since then that's more unique. It's like the perfect balance of femininity and masculinity in a flower. It's pretty cool. It has so, very little to do with this episode, though. So we'll have to pick that up on fun parts. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Besides the one sex scene, any other sort of <laughs> indelible moments for you from this show that you remember? I mean, I remember the the whole like series where Brandon fell in love with the bad girl. I can't remember her name. I think her name was Emily on the show. And she like wore a leather jacket and she was really wild. And then it kind of like evolves over a series of episodes but then they end up breaking that because she wants to go to a rave and so they all go to a rave and do like whatever the equivalent of molly is at the time and she kind of like gets really sick and brandon has to take care of her and she's pretty wild and you know he just decides like i'm a rule follower and you're a rule breaker we can't be together doesn't work you know never works insert 
Andrea waiting on the wings. It still didn't happen. <laughs> Andrea, that was Gabrielle Carteris? Yes. Okay. She played like the – She's smart. Like his, yeah. And I think she was like 10 years older than all of them in real life. Except Luke Perry. Luke Perry had to be a good 10 or 15 years older. I mean, I think yeah. he was pushing oh. pushing 30 when he was playing a high school kid. You know the other wild storyline is when he fell in love. I think this was college year episodes too. He fell in love with this girl with curly hair who was the girl in the Nazima face commercials. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and she was like the daughter of like a mafia guy. And they like get engaged, but she ends up getting blown up on a houseboat. That was like, see, that's when it started. It left, when it left high school, it kind of left like the fun, typical high school storylines and then actually became a soap opera. And yeah. It was just way less interesting. Yeah. And it know? came back, right? Like it's like a thing again now. Is it? I no, know. it came back like 10 years ago, right? And like the other people were like the mom and dad and stuff. I thought it came back like a year ago. I'm looking it up now. Man. That would have been the third reboot because they definitely did a second reboot when I was, I don't know, like 10 years ago. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, 2008 to 2013. Wow, that feels like yesterday It lasted that long. Yeah, five seasons. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So, yeah, I feel like it was a perfectly fine show. I kind of like lost interest after the high school years, but then kind of stayed in it through the college years and just hated myself for it for a period of time. <laughs> okay. I stand corrected. It was a third reboot, 2019, BH90210. No. Yep. Came back last year. Jeez. Is still, it still on? Still had almost the entire cast. I mean, it was everybody but Luke Perry came back because oh, that's RIP. it was right when he died, I think. Wow. Then, that's so wow. sad. Was Brenda on it? Yeah, yeah, they're all there. Because remember there's like that whole like long period of time after she left I2 and O where everyone said she was like an impossible person in real life. But then she was on that show Charmed and then she like stopped working again after that. I, just, I don't know. I've got to tell you again, I'm not familiar with any of what you're talking about. <laughs> I knew of 90210, but I was not like, you know, getting busted Brent, by my mom watching the sex scenes in the movie. So. I know. Brenda's best role of all time was definitely Girls Just Want to Have Fun. She played the cute boy dancer's, like, little sister. And that was a great movie. If you ever do that movie, it might be too late. Let me know. We can always go back. <laughs> we can go back and hit it. So, awesome. Hey, thanks for being on. We got to have you on again soon. And maybe one day totally. I'll get you and Aaron in the same call again. I don't know. I mean, it would really make your mom happy. <laughs> That's true. Do you have a message for my mom? Before before you sign off. Hey, Becky. Always good to know you're listening and I love your son. (laughs) Awesome. All right, friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, bye. What a dear friend she is. I've mentioned it a few times already, but if you haven't heard it, Latifah and I just wrapped up the first season of our second podcast together, Fun Parts, and you should definitely check it out. It'll make you laugh and cry and squirm in all the best ways. While you're at it, you should also check out our first show together, co-hosted by our mutual friend, Aaron Hale, Moda Spira Podcast. I've linked them both in the show notes. Huge thanks to Aaron and Latifah for being a part of this and so many episodes of 30 Pop, and, well, practically every show I produce. They are two friends without whom I sincerely don't know where I'd be in life. And they're both just so, so, so good at making creative things. Go follow them on social media for sure. Friends, you're also dear to me. I'm so thankful that you choose to listen to this show week in and week out. And I do hope you'll join me again next week. If not, 
no worries. Because, well, I'll be giving you the benefit of the doubt. Giving you a minute to try to work it on out. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1990 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.